Looking for fantasy sports advice? How about... You know, I'm not going to play that other one. The reason why I'm not going to play that other one is because I've got an extra person listed in that other one that uh, I really, really don't want to discuss. But I got to talk to JT about him because I, I know JT appeared on the show uh, or is going to appear on the show because a uh, big opportunity that we all missed out on. A big opportunity. But I'm not going to get into it. Uh, anyway, JT show. The Master Plan airs tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Hopefully where I am, I'll be able to get up in the morning (laughs) or at night and uh, jump on there for a little bit because I got to get up early, early, early the next day. My job is so hard. It really is. Really, it is. But you know what? It costs to be the boss. At any rate... Uh, let me get into this. Uh, you know what? Before I get into this, let, let, let me just throw a little shade to my partner's way. And I know he's here, but he's busy doing something, so I can't really bring him on. But uh, baseball. Yeah. Our fantasy baseball league. I co-kicked his butt. He sucked. Last week, uh, we both got eliminated. We both went to the playoffs, um, and we both got eliminated. We played each other in the elimination round afterwards. And Ico put boot square off into his tookus. I'm just saying, JT, I love you like a brother, and you know I do. But you got wit after all that smack. And, yes, his team was called uh, A-Roy's Lawyer. Uh, you know, A-Rod. Anyway, uh, bottom line is neither one of us went to the championship, but I whooped him <laughs> like he stole something. Like, like a, like a, I don't know. I don't I just whooped him. So I just want to put that in because I know he can't respond to me right now. And uh, I'm so happy. But anyway, let's get back into the program, okay? Um, uh, First topic of discussion is going to be Michael Vick and Pittsburgh Steelers taking on the Baltimore Ravens. Here's what happened, ladies and gentlemen. Baltimore uh, really looked down and out, really, really looked down and out, and it was nothing that they could do. Uh, They kept turning the ball over. They kept uh, having mishaps, and at the same time, Le'Veon Bell was running the rock. Antonio Brown didn't have an, a good week. And for all you Antonio Brown owners, fantasy football owners, you might want to consider um, maybe, I'm not saying trade him, but I do believe with, with uh, Michael Vick at quarterback, his value is going to go down a little bit. It just is because he's not the Michael Vickavo. Well, he actually is. Michael Vickavo was never a uh, accurate quarterback. His his biggest targets were in the middle of the field, getting the ball to his tight ends. Um, and Spath is not, and Heath Miller are not um, the focal point of the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. Le'Veon Bell, uh, Antonio Brown. 
and soon to be returning uh, Martavius Bryant are the focal point. Uh, so what I'm going to tell you is I'm, I wouldn't trade him, but I would not put a lot of stock in him getting you a lot of yardage and a lot of points in fantasy until Ben comes back. So is Ben and the Pittsburgh Steelers um, really done for the year? I mean, Ben's going to be out, what, uh, four to five weeks? And, you know, I'm not sure if the Steelers can make up for it. Because remember, they just got Le'Veon Bell back, who was suspended for a couple games. They just got him back. Martavius Bryant is about to come back from a four-game suspension, you know? Uh, And then you lose the signal caller, Big Ben. It's going to be tough sledding. Now, people that are going to benefit from this, Le'Veon Bell owners, D'Angelo Williams owners, it's it's apparent that Pittsburgh can't – they're not as explosive without Ben under center. It's the truth. It is the truth. But Michael Vick is serviceable. He is very serviceable. I mean, I'm I'm not being, you know, funny when I say this, but I think that Big Ben is one of those persons that if you give him the opportunity to shine, uh, he will. But since he's out and you have Michael Vick there, you have to give him the same opportunities, but you have to scale it back just a little bit. What do I mean by scale it back? You have to realize he's a left-handed throwing quarterback. So uh, you don't want to uh, set all of your pass plays up to the right side. You have to flip your plays. You have to flip your plays. So if I have uh, Antonio Brown on my right side, plays called to my right, but I'm a left-handed thrower, and this is the fourth down play I'm talking about. Um, if I have Antonio Brown, I'm not going to set him up on my right side. That means I have to throw across my body as Michael Vick to get you the ball. So, or I'm going to have to, you know, set my feet in a different direction that I, I'm used to in order, excuse me, to get uh, him the ball. Now, the ball came out high and away. Um, consequently, Brown didn't get the ball, and Pittsburgh had to uh, turn it over on downs, and then Baltimore – Went a few yards, kicked the field goal, won the game. The only problem with that is that uh, Nick Novak missed two field goals that could have helped not send that game into overtime and not let them get in that position. But that's not what happened. They lost the game. They were unable to succeed on two fourth downs. Um, Both times, Michael had the ball and had to make decisions. One time on a sweep, which 
I thought he had, but the Ravens defense crashed the end, and that was that. So a lot of people say, give the ball to Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, you could have. You could have. But I, I think Le'Veon would have got stuffed. C.J. Mosley and the rest of those guys, the interior defensive uh, players for the Baltimore Ravens are no joke. They are pretty daggone good. Okay? I think that's why um, Pittsburgh went outside. And if you notice, most of their runs were tackle between uh, – well, I'm not going to say uh, tackle and guard because that would infer that it's inside. But um, it was a lot outside between a tackle and a tight end, if you notice, in that game. So they would have to run a stretch – or off tackle play, which takes a little longer to do. And when you're in short, um, you want to get it quick. Yeah, and, and he ran a, a quarterback sprint draw on that one play and pretty much same deal, deal but hmm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I would have changed the call, but I do know in that last fourth down play, I wouldn't have had Michael Vick throw, um, who's a lefty, all the way over to his right to get it because he was on the uh, left hash mark to begin with. So that's just me. Uh, Baltimore won the game. Pittsburgh lost the game. And, uh, you know, Baltimore now has one win on the season. They're one and three. Uh, Pittsburgh is two and two. So let's move on. Uh the controversy around Michael Vick. I've got to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, there's a controversy around Michael Vick. Some people just won't let it go. Uh, and with them losing the game, more of these people are popping up saying, okay, well, you know what? He's he's washed up. He's garbage. You know, he's a convicted felon, da 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 da, da. Listen, you don't have to bring in that last part. He's a convicted felon. Because what you're not saying is what he's convicted of. You're not saying he's convicted of racketeering. You're saying he was convicted of, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, um, bad treatment of dogs or killing dogs. And that's not what he got convicted of. Yes, he participated in those events and he paid the price because there was no linkage to him being part of a mass killing of the dogs. Yes, he did run the operation of the dog fighting, but he did not uh, get convicted of that. But he did serve his time for what he got convicted for. Again, I'm not trying to you know, play apples and oranges and, and Michael Vick versus Ben Roethlisberger, but Ben didn't. And Ben said to some some effect that he cannot be put in those situations again where he's, you know, in the uh, bathroom with a young lady who's inebriated and can't consent, you know, which is rape. Regardless, if you can't consent because you're inebriated, you can't consent. If you are impaired, we're taught. People are taught. You can't do this. You shouldn't do that. You should have better sense. You know, so if you're going to talk about Michael Vick and his past, you know, issues, fine. Don't forget about 
Ben Roethlisberger's issues that he did not serve time for. And he actually paid the um, accuser for in a, in a civil lawsuit. So it couldn't go any further. For those Michael Vick beaters or bashers, I'm not going to call them haters, just call them bashers, think about it, okay? Think about it. You got two guys that, that were no good at quarterback, but one just happens to be pretty daggone good right now, while the other used to be that daggone good. So with that being said, um, Pittsburgh, accept who you have, work with who you have, and support them. You support uh, Ben all the time, so support Mike, all right? Get off of his back, and uh, he's going to do what he needs to do to get better. I'm quite sure he will. Now, to another controversy. There is a light heavyweight title fight going on in UFC uh, today, and it's going to be the heavyweight, the light heavyweight champion, Daniel Cromier, taking on the number two contender, Alexander Gustafsson. Now, Goose, or Gus, is a beast. He is a beast. I actually think he's going to defeat Daniel um, <clears throat> pretty much because he's very, very similar to John Jones. When I say similar, I mean height, style, everything. Um, and unfortunately, uh, Alexander lost John. I ain't going to say unfortunately, but it was a brutal fight between the two uh, a couple years back. And then he took a knockout uh, to uh, or by Anthony Rumble Johnson. Otherwise, the fight for the uh, for the title that was stripped from John John Jones would have been between these two guys because these two guys are definitely the two best fighters in the division outside of John Jones, who by the way pled um, down in his federal case uh, so that he does not do any jail time and I believe he's on probation and a few other things. So uh, if the UFC decides to reinstate him, he will have an opportunity to climb the ladder and get his title back. And I think he will. Um, I don't think he's going to get an automatic title shot. Uh, Yeah, he draws. He draws a lot of money, but with all the controversy and the time he's been off, it's no way in the world Dana White and Zufa can justify giving this guy a title shot right away. They, they they just can't. If they did, I mean, people will buy just to see what type of shape John Jones is in, but I don't think it's going to happen. But nevertheless, the fight, and I think it's going to be a good fight. I really do. Between Daniel Cormier and, and Alexander Gustafsson um, looks to be one that is um, if if Cormier tries to wrestle and I want to say this if Cormier tries to wrestle he's going to be in for a big surprise because Alex is not bad off of the ground um, if Daniel tries to come out swinging like Anthony Rumble Johnson did I think uh, Alexander's going to be prepared for that. 
the formula apparently for beating Gus is to rush him and lay your paws on him, so to speak. Them hands on him. Okay. I think Gustafson has learned his lesson from that fight with Johnson, and he's going to be able to sufficiently defend himself and put you in a compromising position. Uh, I'm not a big Daniel Cormier fan. I'm not a big DC fan. I'm I'm really not. Uh, The reason why is because I think he's – he's – don't get me wrong. I think he's a good person, but I also think that he's cocky. He's just as cocky as John Jones, except he wants people to believe that he's this really good guy who's de- who's had to deal with all this adversity. And yes, he has. He has. But, you know, he talks trash and he has one loss to John Jones out of 17 fights. And uh, Alexander Gustafsson is 16 and three. One loss to, to Rumble, one loss to uh, to John, and I, I, I'm not sure about the other loss, but the thing is this. Gus can make DC pay if he has the same game plan John Jones did when he fought DC, which is not a very, you know, uh, good fan fight. But it's a good uh, fighter's fight. Use his distance. uh, Keep DC at bay and tag him. Now, if he does what John Jones did, throw those elbows and slow DC down because DC normally has to cut. He normally has to cut weight. And that's something he's probably had to do um, or he's done for a very long time over his career because he's a natural heavyweight. I'm not sure how his cut went this time, but I do know that it could be a uh, a factor. And here's another factor. There's a six-inch height advantage. DC's five, what? Five, ten? Five, no, no. DC's, uh, what? They have him listed at 71 inches. DC is not 71 inches. 71 inches would be uh, six foot. He's not six foot. I believe he's five uh, eleven. So a half an inch, I mean an inch down or whatever. So he's like uh, 70 inches because I'm 69. Guess is tall. Guess isn't a joke. 77 inches. And with that reach and the ability he has and the skill level he has, Gustafsson should finish. I didn't say when. I said finish DC. I really think he should. Listen, 63% of um, Gustafsson's wins have come by TKO KO. He's 16 wins, three losses. Now, on the flip side, Daniel Cormier, who's a wrestler, who doesn't normally finish, but, you know, out of 17 fights, 16 of them wins. Half of the of those wins, which are eight, were by KO, 31% by decision. He's a wrestler. He likes to grind you out and outpoint you and stuff like that, which is fine. Again, 
is not the most uh, beautiful fight, but it is a a technique that is used to win matches and to get him where he is today. And he's very successful at it. I just don't think that he's going to defend his title uh, against Gustafsson. I think he's going to lose. And if I'm not mistaken, this is his second title defense since getting getting the belt. Um, hey, it is what it is. Uh, I think you're going to see a great card because Ryan Bader versus uh, Rashad Evans is also on the undercard or on the main event, but on the undercard of it. And both these guys are looking to uh, find their way up to the next title shot between uh, one of these two. They'll get a shot because it's number four versus number five. Ryan Bader is number four. Rashad Evans is number five. Excuse me. And Sugar has been... um, a very uh, effective fighter in many weight classes. So, and Ryan Bader has found himself a little bit. Um, He's seasoned now, and uh, he's looking to be the next one to to fight for the title. Uh, Sugar has fought for the title a couple times. He's been the champion, uh, so he knows what it's like to get there. But that's a good fight. Also, I like this uh, evil eye, Jessica Evil Eye, number six uh, versus the number 12, 135-pound uh, weight class woman, Juliana Pena. Now, Pena is a beast. She won the first female uh, tough enough 135-pound uh, weight class, um, but she had suffered a, a severe injury in that fight where she had to take some time off and she, she came back and she won. Uh, Jessica has been fighting for a while now. Um, but Pena is definitely the future of that division. Once Ronda leaves, uh, I think Pena is going to step up and take that, that title and that ring. Another beautiful young lady who can fight her butt off. Um, so I think that, this is going to be one of the, the better fights on that main card. Then you have Benavitez versus Bagotovic. Bagotinov. I cannot get his name. This dude, this this Russian, only knows one thing. Forward, forward, forward. But Joseph Benavitez is number one in the, excuse me, the 125-pound weight class. And Ali... Baganitov is number 14. This, my friends, I think is going to be the upset. I really think this is going to be the upset of the night because Ali is no joke. No joke. I think Ali, even though he's ranked number 14, stands a chance at uh, putting uh, Benavitez down. And Benavitez is a beast. No joke. No joke. He is a beast. But I think he's going to get upset in this fight. Also on the Fox Sports 1 prelims, I think uh and it's a female fight again because these these young ladies know how to fight. They just do. Um I believe Rose uh Nama, Namahunas uh 
versus Angela Hill would be a good fight. These two young ladies were teammates on that uh, first ever Tough Enough uh, female competition. They're in the 115-pound weight class, and Rose went all the way to the uh, championship uh, where she was defeated. But prior to that, she was like 1-0 and when she entered the house. Uh, people knew about her, but, you know, she wasn't a big, big professional. But this young lady has skills, and she submits people. Um, but uh, she hasn't submitted anybody yet. She has two losses with three wins, all three wins by KO. And that surprises me because she's not a knockout artist. Um, So it's going to be interesting. And Angela, young lady has talent. She's the the lowest ranked female in the house. And uh, she eventually lost because they did a tournament style. She eventually lost uh, to the uh, champion in the first round, but she looked good in it. Now she's two and one half. She's one, um, one by decision and the other one by KO TKO. But I think she's going to get outmatched in this. In this fight. Sorry guys. It, it's really, really late where I am and uh, I'm up doing this. I really wish I had JT here because he would help me out. Um, but anyway, I think Angela's going to uh, take another L from her former teammate. But uh, I think that's going to be an exciting fight because both young ladies like to fight. That's the one thing about ladies in the UFC in mixed martial arts. They can be technical and still have a very good fight. What I mean by that is um, they move, they bob and move, bob and weave, so like that, but their technique is such that it's entertaining. It's not just I'm going to grind you up against the cage and wrestle you all day or I'm going to uh, not engage and try to uh, keep you at a distance. They don't do that. I mean, I haven't seen the women do that. I think it'll be an interesting fight. So that's UFC 192. Some some of the fights I wanted to highlight. Uh, and I think it's going to be a good card. Check it out. Uh, the prelims happen on Fox Sports 1 with the main event happening on pay-per-view. Uh, so what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to take a quick break. And when I return, when I return, let's go over week number four. Let's see what's happening in the world of the NFL and matchups. Be back in a minute. Thursday night is the right time to kick back and listen to the FSP Crew Show as they break down the weekend sports and prepare you for Thursday night football. 8 p.m. Eastern, just before the game starts. Jerry the Master Taylor hosts the show with Jeff the Joker Goldberg and Mike the Bookie Monster Wright. The three gentlemen debate and discuss a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of everything on the FSP Crew Show every Thursday night on blogtalkradio.com forward slash V-I-C-H-B-K, 8 p.m. Eastern. You can listen at spotonradio.webs.com after the show as it streams 24-7, 365, and listen to other informative programs as well. Information, motivation, variety. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back. And uh, I want to let you know, it's time to have a little fun. It's football time. Now, we talked about the Pittsburgh Ravens game already, so let's get right into the next game, which happens rather early in the morning for a lot of fantasy, well, a lot of football fans out there because it's happening in London. And it's the first time in uh, the whole European NFL experience that two division rivals are going to be facing each other in London. What do I mean? Okay, so every time the NFL goes to London to have a game, it's an entertainment uh, match. So this was my belief, that the NFL was trying to brand Jacksonville in London. I really thought and still do think that's the case because all last year and the year before that, if there was a team going to London, it was Jacksonville. And I understand the economics in Jacksonville are not that great. A lot of their games are blacked out over the years because of lack of support. Um, and the problem with that is it, it's really not a a lucrative area where the team is set up. You have the Dolphins, you have the Bucks, you got Jacksonville. Uh, two two of those teams have won Super Bowls and have been um, dominant in their respective divisions for a while. Jacksonville hasn't listen when they had Mark Brunel, Jimmy Smith, Keenan McCardo, Fred Jackson, I mean Fred Taylor. Okay, you can say that. Even when they had Byron Leftwich, they were pretty good. But even still, they were not uh, well-received in that area. I'll be honest with you. Um, Anytime you have a decent team and your team is still getting blacked out, that doesn't speak well for the organization's uh, finances because you're putting on a winner, but nobody wants to come see it and support. That's where the issue comes. Um, so that's that, but the game that I'm talking about, or would like to talk about involves a Florida team. It's the Miami Dolphins taking on, uh, the New York jets where Miami is the home team. Uh, both teams are over there. They, you know, they've had to adjust a couple of days or what have you. And the game happens at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on CBS. Uh, now, JT will already be on the air during that time. Um, so when that game starts, JT will have some analysis of it uh, for the show, mainly because uh, he can watch it as he preps for the master plan. And I'm quite sure he's going to talk about it. Uh, I'm going to try my best to watch it as well. Uh, but we'll see what happens. But the Jets coming off a very disappointing loss to the Philadelphia Eagles. I, I for one, thought that this was going to be or or thought that game was going to be a shoo-in for the Jets. I really did. The dysfunction that's in, in Philadelphia and 
the ability for uh, the Jets to, you know, run the rock. I know that Chris Ivory wasn't in there and they had uh, Bilal Powell and a few other folks in there, but Brandon Marshall trying to uh, make up additional play ended up hurting his team uh, was just a microcosm of what took place uh, in that loss to Philly. Now, Miami, on the other hand, Miami didn't fare much better. Here's the thing. Um, you go out and you pay a lot of money to Indominus Sue, and he's worth it. He is worth it. He's getting double-teamed and triple-teamed, and he's still fighting through. He just can't get to the quarterback. However, you would think Cameron Wake would benefit. They're both on the same side, and this is something that I said in preseason. And I, this is why I ranked Cameron Wake so high in my individual IDPs is because I figured Cameron Wake would get all types of single coverage or single uh, uh, man-to-man blocking. And he is, but he's not doing anything with it. Okay? Uh, The person that's making all the plays is uh, Jelani Jenkins. Now, Jelani Jenkins isn't a slouch, but he's on the totally opposite side of where uh, Indominus Sue is. The Jets, on the other hand, um, they lose Leonard Williams, their top draft pick, uh, for extended period of time because he's hurt. Uh, Eric Decker looks like he might return to this uh, matchup and some other folks, but this is going to be a very interesting game for the fans of London to see. Why? Because it means something more than just, hey, we got a game on the schedule. This is a conference game, a division game that could, you know, set apart the two teams um, when it comes down to playoff time. Now, look, yes, I'm a Patriot hater. I don't believe the Patriots should be, you know, so high up or where they are. Um, but they look pretty daggone good. And luckily they're on bye week. And, uh, you know, Tom Brady and the rest of those guys are, are doing what they normally do, coming out, trying to prove a point, and they're putting points on the board. So the winner of this game between the Jets and Miami, they have a, a big leg up on at least right now being number two in the division. So the fans of London are in for a treat, in my opinion. Do I think Jarvis Landry and Matthews and a couple of those other guys are going to do well uh, versus this Jets secondary? Maybe. Maybe. I do believe that you're finally going to get the pressure you want from from the Miami Dolphins. Duran Duran, and I can't remember who they're with, but Duran Duran and uh, somebody just put out a track called Pressure Off. It's time for you now. It's time to take the pressure off. It's a good track, right? And that's what's happening. I think Miami is going to destroy the Jets. I love Todd Bowles. I love what he's been doing. But after seeing what Philly was has done to them or did to them, without the pressure of Indominus Sue and the rest of those guys, Jets are in trouble. 
Jets are in trouble. So, you know, I know Ryan Matthews and those guys beat up on the Jets a little bit with the swing passes and the up-tempo stuff. You're not going to get that from the Jets because Fitzpatrick is not that type of quarterback, nor do they have that type of team. Um, But I will say this, that uh, it's going to be an entertaining game because I don't believe in Tannenhill. Um, No, I really don't. But I think Miami wins this game hands down. Let's move on to the next game. Houston and Atlanta looks to be a very good game. Um, Here's the deal. Is Arian Foster going to play? I can't answer that for you because I don't know. I don't think he is. I think you're going to get another week of Alfred Blue. Alfred Blue uh, finally had a good game last week uh, after three or two abysmal games, two two stinkers, whereas he did nothing to help uh, his, his case as a fantasy uh, handcuff to the point where the team went to Chris Polk in game number two, because he wasn't performing well. Well, Houston, you go to Atlanta, and Atlanta's defense isn't that great, but their offense seemingly is finding their rhythm yet again. Uh, The defense of Houston needs to show up. They're a good defense, but they need to show up. You know, J.J. Watt, uh, Vince Wolford, very good combination, but your former number one overall draft pick, Jadavion Clowney, is getting lost in the mix, and that's not what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to be a force on that defensive line so that Jonathan Joseph and the rest of those guys can make plays. Uh, Now, you're going against Julio Jones, who has been extremely productive, uh, especially fantasy-wise over the past couple of uh, weeks. You've got uh, Devontae Freeman, who's going to get the load again because Coleman's out. And that's that's not a problem. He did very, very well versus Dallas. In fact, uh, he was the catalyst for their victory over the Cowboys. Now, they can't wait until the second half of the game in order to, to, to show up. They can't. Ryan Mallett, DeAndre Hopkins, and that offense aren't that bad. They just haven't had a lot of breaks go their way. I'll be honest with you. I think that uh, Houston should win this game, but it's in Georgia. It's in the Dome. Uh, I think the Dirty Birds are going to squeak it out. They'll squeak it out, okay? Let's move on. You got the New York Giants taking on the Buffalo Bills, bottom of New York, with no Shady McCoy. No Shady McCoy, no problem. Mr. Williams. They let Fred Jackson go to Seattle for you. Williams is a guy that you can probably get up really, really cheap um, and should do well versus this Giants defense. Unlike the Redskins, who had Matt Jones and uh, Alfred Morris, and they didn't use them, they decided to throw, throw, throw with Kirk Cousins, which also doesn't make sense any, any sense to me at all. But Buffalo has a defense that can stymie and shut down this New York Giant offense, period. I I can see Buffalo shutting them out. I'll be honest. I really think they can. Uh, Will they do it? I don't know. But Charles Clay, um, you'll have 
Percy Harvin stepping in because uh, Sammy Watkins is, I believe, out, listed as out. But you've got uh, a ton of, of opportunity here for Buffalo to just run, 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 and keep the ball out of Eli Manning's hands. Um, their three-headed monster in on the Giants is not working. You either need to go with Rashad Jennings, go with uh, uh, Brown, or go with Shane Vereen. Not Brown, with Williams, their Williams, or go with Shane Vereen. Pick one. Pick two. But it's not working for them. Their their run offense is, is non-existent, causing Eli to have to throw the ball a lot. Ruben Randall, he's going to step in yet again because uh, Victor Cruz isn't ready. But at the same time, I don't think Ruben Randall is going to be able to, to handle this Buffalo defense. I really don't think so. Tyrod Taylor is proving that if you have a little patience, um, he can be a very talented quarterback, uh, a quarterback that will win for you. Now, granted, they just lost to New England last week, um, but he, he had a huge comeback. The game was a lot uh, closer thanks to the fact that uh, Tyrod found the people he needed to find and, and did some things. But Percy Harvin has got to be the guy to explode in this game. He has to. I'm telling you, uh, it's going to be one of those, hey, where has he been? Where has this guy been all this time? He's been there. He's been targeted a lot. But you also have uh, a couple other receivers on Buffalo that um, Tyrod likes to throw to as well. The reason I'm not talking that much about the Giants is because I really don't think the Giants are that good. I don't think uh, going to Buffalo, uh, they stand a chance in this game. Uh, I've watched them for a couple of, of, of games, and their zone defense is terrible. Their man defense is okay at best. Uh, they just don't have the pieces. And I believe Buffalo does. I believe Buffalo, when they run, they're going to run it hard. Shady's not there. Got it. So there, Kay Williams. I forgot his first name. But Kay Williams is going to just go in there and just run all over him. I really believe so. And it's only because of Rex Ryan's thought process. Run, run, run. Control the rock. So, you know, they're going to rest Shady doesn't mean that Shady needs to, to come out because if this were a playoff game, I think Shady would be playing. But they're going to rest him, and they're going to give Williams a shot. That tells you something about the mindset of Buffalo and how they feel about the Giants. My opinion, I think Buffalo wins. Now let's go to Oakland, Chicago. Okay, now here's the rumor, and Judy Bautista of NFL Network. Uh, put this out there in her report and she also reiterated it on the show uh, when and if Chicago loses this game because I believe Oakland's going to go in and, and defeat them Matt Forte along with Alshon Jeffries go on the market you saw Chicago trade Jared Allen to um to Carolina for pretty much nothing. They want draft picks. They're getting they're gonna get draft picks. 
so they can rebuild this team in the shape that John Fox wants it to be. So they're going to probably go to a 3-4, and most likely they're going to uh, get a bruising running back as opposed to Matt Forte, who is a very, uh, I'm not going to say finesse guy, but he isn't the guy going to give the ball to 25 times a game and let him run the rock. He's not. He's the type of guy you want to pass the ball to. You want to um, let him run, yes, but he's a dual threat type guy. Dual threat. That's not what Fox wants. Fox wants somebody who's going to smash, smash, Hulk smash. And I know Jay Cutler isn't the type of quarterback he wants because Jay Cutler likes to throw the ball, and Jay Cutler makes mistakes when he throws the ball. So why keep all Sean Jeffries if you're not going to throw him the ball? Hmm. You're, paying him, you're going to pay him a lot of money. Somebody's going to pay for him. So let's find some landing spots here. Matt Forte goes where next year? He would actually do well in Philly, but can't do that. They just pay, they paid a lot of money there. Um, Cleveland could use him, but do you want to go to another system that, hey, you're not going to win anytime soon? Does he want to go to Dallas? Matt Forte in Dallas would be crazy. Matt Forte in Seattle. If Marshawn, you know, doesn't come back next year, that's crazy. I mean, just think about the many, many. Matt Forte in Miami would be crazy. Bottom line is, I'm saying Matt Forte and Alshon Jeffries are gone before the trade deadline. I really think so. I really think so. Because uh, Oakland is going to come into Chicago. Jimmy Clausen is Jimmy Clausen. And he's going to not do well, in my opinion. And uh, that's going to be that. It's going to be an Oakland, Chi-Town um, massacre. Oakland's going to win that game. Let's move on. Kansas City at Cincinnati. This is this promises to be a very good game. It really does. Uh, now, I'm not saying the benching of Jeremy Hill or Jeremy Hill's going to get benched. I'm not saying that. But I will say that with Giovanni Bernard in there, the team has done better. They've been productive. Now, Marvin Lewis says that, that Jeremy Hill, who was a lot of people's uh, first running back taken, I have him in a few of my leagues, is is the starting running back. Well, your starting running back is getting out-touched, plain and simple, by the backup. Same thing that, you know, he did, Jeremy Hill did to Giovanni last year, didn't done to him. Except there's a ball security issue with with Jeremy, and that's why Giovanni is, is getting more in there. Now, uh, Marvin says, depending on if we need to go on a shootout or if we're going to control the game, is going to be what happens for Jeremy Hill. So, Jeremy, he'll be in the game if they're going to do a, you know, run the clock or smash mouth type situation. 
That does not bode well for fantasy owners, plain and simple. On the flip side, the curse is over in Kansas City. Jeremy Macklin got the first receiving touchdown from a quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs in a, what, two-year span? Now, I know uh, Cincinnati's at home, but it's something about Kansas City. That defense has come alive. Eric Berry's back. Derek Johnson's back. Talking about Ali, uh, Chris Houston. Uh, that's a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball. Now, Jeremy Macklin, will he get in the end zone? I don't think so. I think he's going to get in the end zone again. But Khalees, this is the battle of the tight ends. Khalees uh, versus Eifert. Eifert looks like he's trying to be the next grunk. Got it. Got it. He's going to have to a lot to do in order to uh, be considered the next Gronk, especially in that division, playing Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and uh, Cleveland. Cleveland's no slots. Great defense. But Kansas City has Khalees, who's doing his dad going best to, to, you know, hey, I'm here, coming out party. And, oh, by the way, Jamal Charles, maybe. Jamal Charles, is he's a beast. Alex Smith, mm, not so much. But this game, I think it's going to be very close. I think it's going to be um, come down to a field goal with Kansas City winning. Moving on, Jacksonville, Indianapolis. Here's a problem. Is uh, Andrew Luck going to play or not? You know, some people say, well, Maybe he is, maybe he's not. I'm not sure because he has shoulder issues. However, the the thing that I see is uh, Andrew Luck is not uh, doing well this year because of his offensive line. Are they going to run the rock? Are they going to pass? What are they going to do? How will Indianapolis get the ball down the field? You've got Frank Gore. You've got Andre Johnson, Dante Moncrief, T.Y. Hilton. You have to have a running game. Give the ball, run the rock, Pep. Run the rock. Run Frank Gore and run him some more. That That's my formula. That will help Andrew and his turnover ratio right now because it's very bad. It will also help the team um, – in, in its psyche, mainly because right now you're one in, what, two? Your head coach who has gotten you to every level of the playoffs thus far is under fire because they think that he's too soft, but yet he gets you to the playoffs. Then you win a playoff game. Then you go to the division playoffs. Then you go to the division title game. Next step is Super Bowl, and that's what a lot of people think that's supposed to happen with you guys, and that's why there's some issue and concern. Jacksonville is no slouch. Don't get it twisted. Allen Robinson, meet Vontae Davis. This is going to be an interesting matchup. Um, It's in Indy, so I'm going to give the edge to Indy. If this was in Jacksonville and there was a chance that might not be playing, I would give it to Jacksonville, but set home, go uh, Indianapolis. 
Let's go to Carolina, Tampa Bay. Now, look, uh, Houston was supposed to be Tampa Bay last week. I don't know what happened. I don't. I do know one thing, that Jameis Winston didn't look that bad, but he did not look that good. Carolina's going without Luke Coochley again. Um, and Cam Newton is doing his best real Superman impersonation. Real, well, I mean, literally. He's helping this team get where they need to go. I honestly think, even though it's in uh, Tampa Bay, Carolina wins this game. And uh, I look for for uh, Ted Ginn Jr. to get loose in that secondary. You might see a lot more nine routes or a lot more deep posts from uh, Carolina. They need to get the ball down the field. Greg Olson citing had a good game last week. So a game that's very interesting uh, to me, Philly goes to Washington. Uh, DeMarco Murray may or may not play. Uh, to be quite honest, I think it's best to go with Ryan Matthews. Ryan Matthews has a good history against the Redskins, one. Two, he looks like he's a better fit for that system. DeMarco Murray ran the system in college, but he didn't get the notoriety and, and, and the uh, that big paycheck for running that system. He got a big paycheck because the offensive line of Dallas was a monster and is a monster. Can't say that about Philly. Now, Kirk Cousins is the quarterback of the Washington Redskins. They're going to go without Deshaun Jackson again. Um, I hate to say it, but I think Philly wins this game. And I think they also are the catalyst for the return of Robert Griffin III because it doesn't look like Colt McCoy is going to be the backup. They're going to have to activate RG3. And soon as, as soon as Kirk Cousins starts messing up, and he will, four interceptions in three games, not good. Um, you're going to hear the birds, RG3, RG3. And if RG3 comes to this game or, or plays in this game, the Redskins win. But if not, Philly's got the W. Let's go to Cleveland, San Diego. I'm not going to talk too much. Uh, Travis Benjamin has been a surprise stud for fantasy owners. Um, even with uh, McCown at quarterback, he's still showing up. I think you uh, have to also temper your expectations on that because Cleveland offensively is not good at all. Um, but fantasy guys, they can give you what you need, just not wins. Um, San Diego, Phillip Rivers, all needs to be said. Uh, I do believe that uh, San Diego is going to win this game. They're at home. Uh, Cleveland, you need to put Manziel in uh, if you want to win this game. Manziel is not your future. I'll be honest with you, he's not. But if you want to win this game, you need to put him in. San Diego does not deal well with mobile quarterbacks. McCallum isn't a mobile quarterback, but he's also not a non-running quarterback. So, you know, go figure. But I'll tell you what, you want to win this game? Go with Menzel. Otherwise, San Diego wins. A very tough, hard-nosed game St. Louis takes on uh, or goes to Arizona. 
where Larry Fitzgerald has had a resurgence thanks to Carson Palmer. Uh, Michael Floyd is relegated to third as on the wide receiver charts, and he doesn't get many targets. He doesn't. Now, Todd Gurley, he's supposed to make his NFL debut here. Against Arizona? Not a good call. Trey Mason is still in there. Benny Cunningham could move if uh, Todd Gurley is to start against Arizona. Maybe a weaker defense, but St. Louis, they still have the same problems they did last year, except Nick Foles is doing a better job. It's just the receivers. The receivers aren't um, stellar. I'll be quite honest with you. Quick, Britt, uh, Austin, they're not going to get the job done. Not against this Arizona secondary. And I don't believe their run game will either. I think Arizona wins this game. It'll be close. Not high scoring at all. But I think Arizona wins this game. Moving on. Minnesota goes to Denver. AP travels to mile high. This is going to be a good matchup. Um, Because Minnesota can run the rock. Denver's trying to run the rock to help out Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning has, you know, gone to the pistol. Uh, Gary Kubiak has said, okay, well, let's do it. I don't think it's going to be their main offense. It should not be. I'll be quite honest with you. It should not be. But I do believe that um, if you're going to use the pistol, Peyton needs to make sure that that play action is really good. So that means even if the running game is not working, which it might not against Minnesota, you still have to do it. Because Everson Griffin and uh, Barr are two very talented defensive linemen. Barr is outside linebacker turned defensive end type. Um, But I think you have two excellent players there that can get to uh, the quarterback. With that being said, you've got to run C.J. Anderson. You got to, you got to, you got to. Um, Kyle Rudolph should have a good game here. T.J. Ward can't cover Rudolph. Ward is a good defender, but I think that uh, Rudolph just can outbody him and uh, get down the field. Now, the problem here is what receiver is going to show up for Minnesota because they're not showing up. Got an AP's back. You got to run AP, but Teddy Bridgewater can still throw the ball. He still can. It's just not happening. Uh, they're not connecting. We'll see what happens there. Um, but I want to give the edge to Denver in this game, only because I believe Denver is a better overall team. Let's go to Green Bay, to, uh, going to San Francisco. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be quite honest with you. I liked Carlin Kaepernick over Alex Smith. I really did. I still do. But I prefer... And I hope you would. Carlos Hyde running the rock 30 times a game over Colin Kaepernick throwing 30 to 40 times a game. Kaepernick just doesn't, he does not have the mechanics to do uh, a 400-yard game and win. He doesn't. Torrey Smith might not play. Anquan Bolden's value uh, you know, is dropping. Vernon Davis is listed as out. All you have is Carlos Hyde. And then 
the man they call Rodgers comes. Not a good formula. Green Bay all the way. Dallas goes to New Orleans. Now, Brandon Whedon doesn't have to do much. He doesn't. But at the same time, Cole Beasley and Terrence Williams, they do throw the ball short. Those guys have got to take it long. Uh, Joseph Randall, he's going to see eight guys in a box, seven to eight guys in a box, mainly because no one's afraid of Brandon Wheaton beating them. And Rob Ryan knows this, and Rob Ryan's going to send the hounds. If Drew Brees plays, New Orleans wins this game. Rotator cuff and all. If Drew Brees plays, New Orleans wins this game, hands down. The That's the Sunday night game. Then on Monday, Detroit goes to Seattle. Now, listen, Detroit got their first win of the year last week. They needed it. Uh, same deal with Seattle. Uh, Cam Chancellor returned. I'm going to say it again. Cam Chancellor returned. Um, that does not bode well for Megatron or Golden Tate. Now, Golden goes back to the team that let him go in free agency. So Richard Sherman is probably going to be locked up on Megatron if Megatron's on the right side. But if they're smart, they'll move Megatron to the other side because, you know, Richard Sherman Richard Sherman doesn't travel. It'll be Sherman on Tate. I were the offensive coordinator, which is a Lombardi, by the way. I will put Sherman on Tate for most of the game and let Calvin exploit the cornerback that's, I believe, 5'9", five, 5'10", five, something like that, and have Cam Chancellor have to double team. Now, if that's the case, Cam and the corner double team him. Uh, Sherman has uh, Golden. That leaves Ebron and Abdullah to go crazy. So if Cam Chester has to cover or help double team Megatron, Earl Thomas has to play center field. He cannot cover Rick Ebron. Now, Bobby Wagner or KJ Wright can't cover a tight end that well either. Look at the Super Bowl. I'm just saying, look at the Super Bowl. Abdullah needs to hold on to the ball. If he can hold on to the ball, then Detroit has a chance of winning this game. Only problem is this. I think Drake Bell needs to start this game and pound that rock right up the middle. Do not try outside runs on Seattle. They will not work. They will not work, I guarantee you. Their pass rushers and their run stuffers are on the outside. Up the middle, Brandon Mebane and um, and Bennett. Ben is an outside, I mean, he's a defensive tackle that they move inside sometimes. It's going to be tough. Also on third down, Cam Chancellor comes down as a linebacker. Think about it. I'm telling you, Detroit, I'm sorry to tell you, you're going to go one and three, pick Seattle in this game. With that being said, ladies and gentlemen, I know I'm in the show a little earlier, but I got to let you know, I've enjoyed my time with you as usual, but uh, I got to get ready to get out of here and prepare for the day. Um, My picks are my picks, and I'm sticking with them. Fantasy-wise, I've told you some players you might want to think about considering 
avoiding, and a few you might want to pick up, but avoiding some of these other players, especially if you're doing DraftKings or FanDuel, who we both are partnered with. You'll find more out, more about that uh, shortly, okay? With that being said, it's time for me to get out of here. Next show, The Master Plan, 10 a.m. See you then. We're out. You want to talk back? You in the right place. So take a step back before I get all up in your face. I know you got to live. You know I got mine. But there's like 50 other dudes holding on the phone line. Your voice will be heard, sir. Next caller, please. And if I don't concur, we can agree to disagree. We talking fantasy, sports, and politics. Fantasy, sports, and politics.